Welcome to Scry. Come in and have a seat. I am the Seer, and I thank you for joining me into this glimpse into the beyond as I conjure forth true tales from the other side of the veil that separates our realm from that of the shadows. As I gaze into my obsidian mirror, I see our first story taking place. Submitted by Eric, we now share his encounter that he experienced with some childhood friends following a massive flood. It was late October in the fall of 93. I can remember the year as we had historic flooding. You may remember seeing news footage of a white two-story house floating down the river after the floodwaters swept it from its foundation. Yeah, this was the same flood that affected us. Thankfully, we lived in a hilly region that sat far enough away from the banks of the Missouri River that the summer's flooding didn't affect us. Well, it didn't affect us in the ways that it affected countless other people who lost their homes or suffered extreme property damage. Back to my story. It was late October, and the floodwaters had long receded. The ground had dried out and was covered in a fine layer of fallen autumn leaves that crunched under the feet of my friend Michael and I. Mike and I grew up next to each other and have been friends for as long as I can remember, and we had both turned 13 over the summer. Mike was an Irish twin, whose little sister Abby sometimes followed us along. On this day, we all wished that she wouldn't have. We walked into the woods behind our neighborhood and started making our way towards the river, just farting around on a Saturday afternoon. As we walked, we made our way through the hills and into the floodplains of the Missouri. It was at this point that we saw something that made us all uneasy. Laying across the floodplain and busted all to hell were several caskets. Some of them had been busted completely open and were empty. Others were not so lucky, and you could see waterlogged, decayed, partial remnants of the deceased that had been laid to rest in these humble boxes. To this day, I have never seen anything that made my stomach turn like the sight that laid before us. Mike and I looked around briefly and decided that we should go get out of there and tell our parents about what we had found. We yelled at Abby to follow us and turned to look at her. She was crouched on the ground, leaving Mike and I thinking that she was just trying to process what we had stumbled upon. Anyway, we make it back to Mike and Abby's house and tell their dad about what we had found. He calls the sheriff's department, who sends a deputy down, and Mike and I lead the deputy and Mike's dad to where the caskets were. 
Abby decided to stay behind, thinking that she had seen enough rotting parts of corpses to at least last her for the rest of the day. When we got near the site, Mike and I hung back at quite a distance. We had seen enough too, but we were close enough to point out the caskets to the deputy. We make it back to Mike's and go downstairs to where his room was. Abby was down there and was completely pale. We ask her what's wrong, and she says that something followed her back from the floodplain. She said that when we had left, she watched us walk into the woods with the deputy, turned around from the living room window, and saw her reflection in the TV. Next to her was the reflection of someone else, an adult female. Abby turned, and of course, there was nobody there. She looked again at the reflection and saw the woman reach out to put her hand on her shoulder. Before she could touch her though, Abby ran out of the room and went to the front porch, waiting until she heard us coming back before going to wait for her brother in his room. Now, naturally, Mike and I called bullshit, but Abby swore that she was telling the truth. My buddy and I both thought that ghosts weren't real, and we tried to convince his little sister that she was imagining things. We couldn't convince Abby that it was all just her imagination, but being 13 years old, we quickly disregarded her claims and proceeded to spend the rest of the evening playing Super Nintendo. Being that it was a Saturday, I ended up staying the night at Mike and Abby's. Mike and I primarily played video games all night. This was interrupted by a break to sneak into the garage, where Mike claimed that his dad had hidden a Playboy. This was the days before internet porn, and a Playboy was the holy grail for a 13-year-old, so we had to take a peek. We went into the garage, opened the drawer on his dad's tool chest, and there it was, the nude female form just inches away. As Mike reached towards the magazine, the drawer that it was in slammed shut. The both of us tried to pull the drawer open, but it wouldn't budge. After what seemed like an eternity, and not wanting to wake up his parents, we gave up. As we walked towards the door to head back inside, the drawer slid open. We looked at it, and a smile spawned on our faces, only to vanish when the drawer shut itself again, without being touched. It was at this point that the light in the garage shut off. Mike quickly opened the door to the inside, and we noped out of that garage. Sorry, Hef, but it just wasn't worth it. 
the two of us were starting to think that maybe Abby wasn't as full of shit as we thought. We went upstairs to see if she was still awake, relieved that she was. We asked her why she thought something followed us back from the floodplain, but she said that she didn't know. With thoughts of ghosts racing in our mind, we tried to go to sleep and eventually succeeded. For the next couple of days, Mike and sometimes Abby decided to hang out at my house. The two of them said they were scared at home. Lights would turn on and off. Abby said she would see things out of the corner of her eye. Mike told me the toilet flushed on him when he was going to the bathroom. After laughing about this last claim, we started to discuss why something followed us home. Well, followed those two home. It never came to my house with them. After debating a few possible reasons, Abby confessed that she knew why something had come to their house from the floodplains. While Mike and I had looked around at the caskets, Abby had noticed something sparkle and catch her eye. Nearly obscured by orange and red leaves, Abby had noticed a ring laying on the ground. That's why she had been crouched over. She was picking up that ring, and she brought it home. It was already dark, so we made a plan to head to the floodplain the next day after school. We headed for the woods straight from the bus stop, as it saved us about half a mile of walking. When we got near the floodplain, we could hear noises, voices talking. We nearly shit our pants, but kept pushing each other forward. Finally, we neared the scene and were relieved by the sight before us. The voices belonged to people, living people. I don't remember what agency the people were from, but they had come to clear the remains and the caskets from the floodplain. It turned out that they had came from a cemetery that was caught up in the river upstream and were washed out by the flood and ended up in the floodplain near our house. We watched the crew clean up for a little bit, telling the workers about how we had discovered the caskets, and Abby eventually made her move, taking the ring from her pocket and dropping it on the ground near where she had guessed that she had found it. She wasn't as slick as she thought she was, and one of the crew saw her. They locked eyes, but the guy stayed quiet about Abby dropping the ring. I think he had a pretty decent idea as to what had happened, and why we were really there. We went home that night, and decided that none of us really felt the Halloween spirit and stayed home that weekend. Thankfully, when Abby returned the ring to the floodplains, whatever had followed us back to her and Mike's house decided to remain at the floodplains and leave us dumbass kids alone. Eric. Thank you for submitting your encounter and sharing it with us. 
how much do you want to bet that the ring belonged to one of the deceased in those caskets and likely held a sentimental value to that individual? Our next story comes from Pitts, who recounts a tale of imaginary friends, an unusual discovery, and an old photograph. Here is his encounter. A buddy and I are bullshitting one night when I happened to bring up a house I had been in when I used to deliver furniture. It was one of the older homes in town, and I mentioned it because there was a second staircase going upstairs, built next to the main one, which I found interesting. The homeowner had told me that it was for the maid to use, so she wouldn't get in the way of guests during dinner parties. After I brought that feature up, as well as the sprawling maze of a creepy basement, my friend knew the home I was talking about. His mother's good friends currently own it, and this was the story he told me about that place. Shortly after the family had moved into the home, their son, who was three at the time, started talking to and playing with an imaginary friend who was also a little boy. Their son would always be running around the basement, playing and talking for hours, and tried to include his friend in everything he did. At one point, he had told his parents that his friend asked him to ask his mom if she would let him out of his room. He said he has been locked in his room for a long time, and he wants to be let out. He told me his mother thought it was weird at the time, but just shrugged it off. Fast forward a few years more, and they decide to fix up the basement. Well, when they started to take out the wall of what they had thought was an old cistern, they discovered a fully furnished bedroom of a child. This is where the story gives me the willies. Apparently, above the fireplace on the main floor of the house hung an old black and white picture of the house when it was originally built in the late 1800s that was hanging there when they purchased the home. In the photo taken of the front of the house are eight large windows. After the discovery of the almost perfectly preserved bedroom of the child, a child's face showed up in every window of the house in the old picture. He told me the owners know the photo did not contain the faces of eight children previously, and they noticed it almost instantly afterward. After this, they did some digging into the home's history, and that the first owners did have eight children, one of whom was never seen in public with the rest of the family. They also noted that after this took place, their son didn't have any more conversations with his imaginary friend.
Thank you, Pitts, for sharing your story. When we return from our break, we will hear another tale featuring mysterious photographs and paintings. But first, a word from our sponsor. We are divided, now more than ever. We separate ourselves based on politics, race, age, favorite sports teams, religion, and even what fandoms we subscribe to. But there is one thing that we all have in common. Death. You're gonna die. I'm gonna die. We're all gonna die. Coffin Cast seeks to shine a light on the thing that unites us all with a mix of true crime, strange death stories, and a little education mixed in. So when you find yourself at odds with someone, just remember, they are going to die too. Welcome back. As we gaze into the obsidian mirror once again, we are shown images from a story shared by the Red Goat. And we learn that while we may sometimes look at pictures that decorate our homes, sometimes those pictures may be looking back at us. I was talking to a gal once, and she related a creepy story that happened to her. When she was a young teen, she was very ill. She had been to the doctor and was prescribed bed rest until her fever came down and her flu-like symptoms passed. <coughs> While lying on the family couch, her mom and dad would sit in the nearby easy chair and watch TV. At times, they would leave the room and get her water, meds, soup, etc., She kept noticing a painting on the wall, near the couch, of a woman holding a basket of fruit. It seemed to be watching the people coming in and leaving the room. Now, she was running a fever, and she knew this must be her imagination, and kept it to herself. There was no way she really believed the eyes were tracking people, right? As her dad left the room, she could swear the painting followed him with its eyes. Fever or not, she was getting scared, so she looked to see if she could see her mom or dad returning to the room. She couldn't see anyone nearby until she turned her head back to the picture. The woman turned her head directly toward her made eye contact, and tossed down the basket of fruit. From behind the woman's back, she produced a knife and began climbing out of the picture frame with a look of blood hate in her eyes. At this point, her screams of panic caused her dad to come rushing back. The painting turned towards the sound of the dad's rushing feet made eye contact with the girl 
and climbed back up in the frame with one last look that said, I'll finish this next time. She would never let her parents leave her in that room alone again. And something happened to me. I was told, in the right light, paintings will talk to each other. I thought this was bullshit, until as a teen, I began trying to crack an eye open in the early morning to see if I could verify the myth. I kept doing this until I began to notice a small movement that must have been my imagination. And then one would seem to be whispering, barely moving its lips. I thought this was neater than hell, and I decided I could see if I could read the painting's lips. It seemed like a fine idea, and although I knew this must just be my imagination, I was transfixed until I lip-read the words. I think he is watching us. Laugh or not, it freaked my teenage ass out enough that I stopped looking at the damn pictures on the walls unless it was bright outside and they knew I was looking at them. The Red Goat. That story is truly fascinating and fantastically freaky. Creepy paintings have always fascinated me since I was a child. I blame the painting of Vigo in Ghostbusters 2 for this, and I actually have a copy of that painting hanging over the toilet in my bathroom. I just hope Vigo isn't watching me while I poop. Our final encounter of the episode comes from Pitts, who tells of his encounter seeing something that he can't quite comprehend following the loss of his pet. When I was a kid, like 11 or 12, we were living in a pretty old house that had a pretty strange reputation. Supposedly some relics from the War of Northern Aggression had been found around there. Some abandoned wells, an old Indian cemetery back in the woods a ways, etc, etc. One night, there was an awful thunderstorm. Rain coming down in sheets. Just like most stereotypical spook stories. Anywho, the family was getting ready to retire for the night and we let the family dogs out to use the bathroom one last time for the night. Well, some fucker pulled off the highway and shot our dog between the eyes in our own front yard. It was a pretty hard night. My father and brother decided they were going to try to bury her. I begged to come help, but I was too young and they made me stay in the house. There was a spot in the backyard where an old farm bell hung. Probably, oh, about 15 to 20 yards back from the house. I guess my mother had her own issues going on, checking on the other dogs, dealing with the sheriff's department, 
and all that stuff. I eventually wandered over to the window looking at the back, and I watched them work for a while. The rain was still coming down hard, but there was a yard light that seemed to light them up pretty well. And the lightning flashes, of course, made everything bright as day. I thought it was nice that they had made her a wooden box or coffin of sorts. It looked like they were making pretty good progress out there. I thought about asking my mother if I could take them some hot chocolate or something. I was the typical kid being in the way, but I was trying so hard to be helpful. As I was watching them work, I heard the front door open and I heard my father's voice, which confused the hell out of me. My father has one of those 120 plus decibel voices that's usually profanity laden. I left my post where I'd been watching them and went to see what was going on. In the kitchen stood my father and brother, soaking wet, not wearing the hats, rain slickers, or anything I saw them in earlier. My father was telling my mother about how they couldn't even come close to digging the hole. The rain was coming down too hard. The hole kept filling in. The lightning was dangerous, and they had to leave her out there until daylight and the rain let up. He had gotten pissed off again and was fixing to grab the shotgun and try to chase down the son of a bitch who had killed our dog. I listened for a while and eventually piped up that I thought it was nice they had made her a coffin of sorts and were burying her by the hill in the bell. He looked at me rather oddly, perhaps somewhat impatient, and explained to me that they had never made the dog a coffin or box and had not been anywhere near the area I was watching. I got pretty argumentative and told them otherwise, and both of my parents gently informed me that they had not been back there. I grabbed my mother's hand and led her to the window where I had been watching everything to show her the big dirt pile, the big box, the shovel, the pick in the side of the pile. But I saw nothing. Just the same old patch of green grass over by the bell that had always been there. No diggers, no shovels, no dirt, no coffin, nothing. You'd think that I would have gotten scared at that point, but I didn't. First thing in the morning, I threw on my boots, grabbed my faithful sidekick Queenie the German Shepherd. Nothing in this world could harm a hair on my little head with her around. And we went out to investigate. I tried to find the boot prints, the loose dirt, drag marks, truck tracks, anything. It wasn't until then that I'd gone out and saw that nothing had been disturbed with my own eyes. I realized I'd witnessed something that was not natural to my little world. My poor parents were still sleeping and I went running into their bedroom crying because I was so scared 
and begged my mother for an explanation because I wanted so badly to believe it was anything other than Haynes. My mother told me I was young, had an active imagination, had been under a lot of stress, but I never accepted that explanation. I had watched for a very, very long time. I remember the details of the shovels, the hats, everything. It seems to me that a scared child jumping at shadows would not remember things that vividly, especially when I was never scared until the next morning. My mother, some years later, while we were riding in the car, finally conceded that she never thought I had imagined it either. There were a few other strange things that transpired around here, but that one was the strangest. Pits, thank you for sharing your tale. Whether what you saw was some sort of spectral sighting, doppelgangers, or who knows what other possibilities of entities that you witnessed, I am curious of what may be buried under the ground in that spot that you witnessed the quote-unquote grave being dug. Inquiring minds want to know. And with this, we put a nail in the coffin of the first episode of 2020. I hope that you all had a great holiday season and the new year is off to a great start for you. We thank everyone who has submitted their stories and helped share the scare. If you have an experience that you would like to share, you can submit it at scrypod.com, scrypodcast at gmail.com, or leave us a message at 573 573- 203-8668. We can't wait to hear your experience. All stories on Scry are purported to be true. Our logo comes from the wonderfully talented Iran Horrors over at DeviantArt. Check out his work for more great images. Our first podcast recommendation of the new year is CoffinCast, whose promo you heard during the break. This podcast is a personal favorite of mine, and I can't recommend it enough, so be sure to check it out. Once again, that's CoffinCast. Give it a listen. But for now, we must end this episode, close the gate, and banish all darkness back beyond the realm of the living. And as always, say goodbye. This is scry.